Welcome. We are so glad you've joined us today. Are you ready for another Bayside Christian Church podcast? Let's get straight into it. Present and the future. You've got a choice every day, like all of us do, to face the future with faith or with fear and anxiety. Mate, you only got to watch the news for 10 minutes these days and you can get very overwhelmed very quickly. But hey, we are a people of faith and we serve a God who is greater than all that's going on around us and in our world. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. This testimony of faith is what previous generations were commended for. Faith empowers us to see that the universe was created and beautifully coordinated by the power of God's words. He spoke and the invisible realm gave birth to all that is seen. Hey, we serve a very powerful God. And it says we are made in his image, so we have words that can create atmospheres, that can shift things, that can change things. Verse 6 says... Without faith living within us, it would be impossible to please God. Wow, when the Bible says it that clear, I want to know how to live by faith. This is, this is essential. This is like breathing. You need physical breathing to live physically. You've got to have faith flowing in your life if you want to function in freedom and in victory, if you want to please God. For we come to God in faith knowing that he is real and that he rewards the faith of those who give all their passion and strength into seeking him. That's why we're passionate people. If you're a Christian, you need to be passionate about it. Don't sort of be half-hearted and people aren't sure whether you're a Christian or not. If you're going to be a Christian, you don't have to stand up with the Bible and preach at them every day at work. But if you're going to live for Christ, be passionate about it. Do it with all your heart because there's a whole lot of people right now in this world looking for someone who believes what they believe and knows what they know and lives it out with passion. There's a whole lot of people looking for that. The enemy's tried to silence the church. Folks, it's time to arise, mighty warriors, and let Jesus shine through us. Be passionate about our faith. Be convinced that what God says is true. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. You don't see it with the natural eye because if you can see it with the natural eye, you don't need faith to believe it. We've got chairs to sit on. We don't need faith to believe there's a chair there. We have to trust that it's going to hold our weight. As long as we haven't eaten too many burgers this week, it'll hold our weight. But faith requires you to believe for things that God's promised to you but aren't yet seen naturally. That promise of household salvation, that promise of victory, of freedom, of overcoming. The message says the fundamental fact of existence is that, that this, is this, trust in God. Wow. Because faith and trust are very closely linked. This faith is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors, set them above the crowd. So what is faith? 
We need to just unpack it a little bit today. It is a feeling of absolute confidence. It is much more than just wishful thinking. Faith is a confident expectation, excited anticipation regardless of the circumstances. Wow, so if God's promised you strength, provision, healing, faith, whatever, you can stand on that by faith even if it hasn't yet outworked in the natural realm. That's what faith is. And it says we walk by faith, not by sight alone. And so many of us have been raised in a Greek thinking Western education system says you've got to see it to believe it. God says believe it and then you'll see it. See, that's, that's what faith is. It's a totally opposite to what most of our education system has trained us in. That's why you've got to renew your mind and actually start to learn how to live by faith and it's an ongoing journey all of our life. But God's there to teach us how to live by faith. Faith is believing and trusting God and his word. It's not just positive thinking and positive confession, even though that's better than negative confession. It is not just mind over matter or relying on someone else's faith. It's also when you've got a faith-filled prayer partner and they just do all the praying and you, you just ring them up and say, hey, can you pray for this? Hey, why don't you pray yourself and do it again together? Sometimes you've got a, a parent or a spouse that, oh, they just love to pray. You think, oh, well, you pray. All of you got relatives that ring you up when they're in trouble and aren't followers of God, but they sort of know that you can connect with God. I say, hey, he'll listen to your prayers too. Oh, not really. I'm not really that good. I said, hey, Bible says that he will hear anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be heard and be saved. So definitely agree to pray, but sometimes throw the challenge back a little bit more to stir their heart to believe. Faith is not the opposite of negativity. It overcomes fear and negativity. Wow. It overcomes fear and negativity. When you say, God, I believe. When there's stuff going on that's negative and, and draining and overwhelming, say, God, that's what's happening, but your word promises this, and by faith I'm going to believe your promise. It cancels out that stuff. Martin Luther said, faith is a living, daring confidence in God's grace, so sure and certain that a man could stake his life on it a thousand times. Wow, because he discovered the power of faith and grace. A.W. Tozer, a famous preacher, said, Faith is a living, daring... Sorry, he said, Faith, as Paul saw it, was a living, flaming thing leading to surrender and obedience to the commandments of Christ. Have faith in God. Faith must have a focus, and the proper focus of genuine faith is our awesome God. Some people put their faith in governments, in banks, in business corporations. We can put our faith in all sorts of things, educational institutions. And they're not all wrong. We need to have trust and faith to live life. But our ultimate faith has got to be in God. God has given each one of us a measure of faith, Romans 12.3 says, that we can then grow and increase by using it like a muscle. People tell me, oh, I don't think I've got any faith. I say, well, you've just disobeyed God's word because God says if you're a follower of Jesus, you've been given a measure of faith. You just haven't learned how to use it. So stop the negative confession over yourselves. People say, I don't have enough faith. 
Well, if you've got a measure of faith, all you do is learn to use that and your faith will grow to be sufficient for what you need. We have got to stop the negative talk about ourselves. I don't have enough faith. The Bible says, I've given you enough, you've just got to learn to use it. And some of us have got to stop the way we talk to ourselves and others. Say, I don't have enough, I don't know how to do it. Hey, God, I ask you for wisdom. And I think so many of us talk ourselves out of a life of faith because we've learned to live by the natural reasoning mind instead of the spirit-renewed mind that God's given us. God has given each of us a measure of faith that we can then grow in and use it. The amount of faith God has given you is more than enough for the assignment he has given you to do. God wouldn't ask you to do something if he didn't help you to get there. Whatever you're facing, tell yourself, God has given me the faith to handle this. Wow, that's a different confession, isn't it? I don't know, you can be overwhelmed and struggling. You've got pain, you've got difficulty. But God, your word says that you've given me faith and I believe you're going to give me more than enough to handle this. Believe, like the father said, believe, help. I believe, help my unbelief. He was honest. I do believe, but I'm still struggling with it. I don't quite get it all together. That's okay, God can work with that. It's now faith. Not just faith that you had for yesterday or faith that you were believing with for tomorrow, but faith is now. Hope is for the future, faith's for now. You can say, I hope one day I'll get healed. Well, that's a good pathway that you're on, but to get healing, you've got to somewhere step in and say, now is the faith, that promise is for me now. And the Spirit of God stirs you. And I believe we, got, we, we live uh, way too much in the past and way too much in the future and not enough in the present. But the men and women of God that I see that walk in faith learn to live it out now. Don MacDonald always inspires me. It was here a few weeks ago. He didn't share his testimony this time, but he is a walking, breathing miracle. He got supernaturally healed from uh, quadriplegic. And every year he goes to the hospital in Auckland for his annual checkup. And the doctors and specialists walk in every time with the x-rays and the scans and the MRI say, you can't walk, Ms. Mac Mr. McDonnell, can you? He says, well, I just walked in here. <laughs> they said, that's impossible. Because God has healed him, but he's intentionally left some of the nerves and joints disconnected in his body. He walks by faith every day because medically he should not be able to walk. They said... You, you can't move your right arm, can you, Mr. McDonald? Because it nearly got torn off his body in that thing. And God, and he goes up and writes on the whiteboard, Jesus heals. <laughs> they said, that's impossible because here's, here's the scan show that there's, there's gaps in your nerve pathways and muscles. God's cho chosen to deliberately leave them disconnected. So Don lives every day by faith. He gets up every morning and says, feet, walk. Arm, move, and he lives a realm of faith that most of us don't even touch. That's why he sees God do amazing things. But all of us have to live by faith. We can wrestle with stuff and say, I'm just overwhelmed and I'm struggling with this. Say, this is an issue in my life, but God, you've promised, and I believe today you're going to release that in my life. See, faith's now, not just for tomorrow. That's what hope is. Without hope, you can't have faith. So hope helps you get to faith. But faith is now. It's a foundation to exercise faith. Hopes can also be called dreams, desires, visions and goals. Look at Martha and her conversation with Jesus about her dead brother Lazarus. 
John 11, 21. Martha said to Jesus, my Lord, if only you'd come sooner, my brother wouldn't have died. And that was true. But I know that if you were to ask God for anything, he would do it for you. Wow. This is faith. I don't think she'd seen Jesus heal, raise anyone else from the dead. Jesus told her, your brother will rise and live. She replied, yes, I know he will live with everyone else on resurrection day. Martha, Jesus said, you don't have to wait until then. I am the resurrection and I am life eternal. Anyone who clings to me in faith, even though he dies, will live forever. And the one who lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Wow, he went from here to really right to a heart. She expressed faith in Jesus, said, you can do anything. Said, okay, let's bring that faith to right now. A lot of us live, well, one day it could happen. She said, okay, why don't you step out and bring it to now? Now. And the amazing miracle that happened, he raised Lazarus from the dead who'd been dead for four days. People say, why did they wait four days? Well, the Jews believed that a spirit of a person hung around for three days before it went into eternity. So Jesus deliberately waited for the fourth day to convince all the Jewish people that he was master over life and death. Wow. It's sometimes easy to live in the past or to focus too much on the future instead of enjoying and living in faith today. Now. I feel the Spirit of God saying, some of you have believed for something for a long time, but he wants you to take another step of faith, say, God, I know you've promised, but God, I want to see it happen. Today, this week, soon, Lord, I don't want to have it just a hope down the future. God, I believe today. Today, that's what faith is. I watch people who step into healing realms, and they've learned to exercise faith now. Now. And God's challenged my heart to step up to another level and believe for it now. Pastor Phil Pringle says, faith is a time rebel. It doesn't just live in today, it makes tomorrow's dreams today's realities. Oh, I love that, eh? It's a time rebel. God lives beyond time. He can see the beginning and the end all at once. He's the beginning and the end, the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. Time is a creation of God. One day there will be no more time, it will pass away. He already knows the beginning from the end. Let us trust him fully with our lives and live fully this adventure of faith called life on this life and into eternity. Wow, wow. God, stir our hearts. We live so much in the natural realm, but he says... You have a supernatural realm that you've got to live in that transforms the natural world. Not to be weird, but to release kingdom of heaven on earth. Hebrews 10.39 says, But we are certainly not those who are held back by fear and perish. We're among those who have faith and experience true life. Wow, that's what Hebrews 11.39 says. We're among those who have faith and experience true life. Does it all happen straight away? Sometimes it doesn't. It says some of those people died before they saw the full outworking of it, but they were moving towards it. Others saw incredible, incredible miracles. God's the one who finalizes how it's all going to work out, but I believe many of us 
settle back and don't step into faith like we could, like we should. God's calling us to step up. How do we get faith? Faith hears God's word. Romans 4.20 Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. He got promised that he'd have a son, didn't have any sons. At 75, he got the promise. Well, that's a big stretch of faith right there. 24 years later, it still hadn't happened. He was 99. His wife, Sarah, was 10 years younger. Now, it was an unbelievable miracle that God had promised and he used to go outside and God says, look at the stars and count them. He says, I can't count them, there's too many. He said, well, your descendants are going to be like that. So whenever he started to waver, as the years ticked on, 80, 81, 82, he probably used to go out once a week. Now he's out there every night looking at the stars saying, come on, God, come on, come on, come on. Look at the stars because that's what your descendants are going to be. He had to look by faith and he says, he's the father of faith. He had to just keep on believing. And then the miracle happened with Isaac and, and the promise was fulfilled. He had to face and go above the natural to see the spiritual. Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That word of God is rima or revelation inspired quicken word. Logos is the written word. And you're not going to get a rema unless you know the Logos because then God can inspire the Logos, the written word, and then make it alive. And then when you've got a quickened word, then you know it's going to happen. you just got to partner with it by faith. But if you don't know the Logos, the written word, if you don't fill yourself up with that, then you're not going to see it. I was reading an article this week about how, how many times did you say the times table at school before you remembered them all? Some of you shake your head and think, I still don't know them all. <laughs> I remember I went to a country school and, mate, we said them thousands of times. We'd do them forwards and backwards and we'd do them beginning of the day and the end of the day. By the time I was in grade three or four, I knew all the times tables off by heart because the teacher would not give up until everyone could recite them and say them. They just kept on going thousands of times. How amazing we are, we get a promise from God and say it a few times and pray it occasionally and we haven't renewed our mind and our spirit enough to see it come to pass. We're lazy Christians sometimes because, whoops, should I say that? Because we don't do enough of the word to renew our minds to move from the natural, doubt-filled, reasoning, thinking into the realm of the spirit of the word and promises. We've got to say it over and over and over and over again. Pray it, memorize it, write it and declare it until it becomes your innermost fulfillment in your soul. Whoa. We won't do a test of the times tables. That may be embarrassing, eh? But I said them so many times that I've, I can quote them all off. Word for word. I worked in a bank uh, when I first left... Uh, school and that was just when computers were starting so I had to add everything up by in my head I'd have lists and lists of numbers and multiply them out I had to do it all in my head and I was faster than anyone that could punch it in on their little calculator 
And I would be more accurate because I'd make more mistakes punching it in on that than I would in my head because it was so drilled into me to do it. Hey, we need to be, as believers, so filled with the word and the promises so that our minds are totally saturated and renewed. So faith becomes our normal response to life, not a last time resort. Oh God, we've tried everything else. We better ask you for help. Hey, faith should be our first response when there's bad news or challenge or need or issues around us. It should be so strong in our spirit and our mind and our heart that faith's our first response. Oh God, help us to get it into our spirits, into our hearts. Hebrews 4.12 says, For we have the living word of God which is full of energy. It pierces more sharply than a two-edged sword. It will even penetrate to the very core of our being where soul and spirit, bone and marrow meet. It interprets and reveals the true thoughts and secret motives of our hearts. I think there's the answer why some of us don't read and study the word because it's going to expose us. We're too scared of being challenged by it. I've had people come along to church occasionally. I said, why don't you come more often? Oh, every time I go there, I get too challenged. And I'm thinking, well, that's what the Word of God's supposed to do. But we want to play it comfortable and safe instead of letting our hearts and minds be exposed to the Spirit and the Word of God to be transformed. And then the overflow, faith becomes your natural response. You've got to add faith to the Word of God. Hebrews 4.2 is an interesting verse. It says, for indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them because it was not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Wow, so we've got a crowd of a few hundred people here today. And if we did a survey at the end of what I preached on and how it impacted you, we'd get a whole lot of different answers. Because some of you, are, as soon as you hear a promise, you add faith. Say, God, I claim that. That's mine. I'm going to learn to live like that. I was thinking, oh, I've heard that one before. I've tried that a few times. It didn't work. So we'll just sort of uh, nod assent. Yeah, I believe that, but it's not really changing your life. Others, maybe you thought, I've never heard that before. I need to understand. So you start to dig in and say, God, teach me what your promises and your word and your spirit-filled life looks like. We'll get all sorts of responses. And some people out of unbelief say, that's not true. That doesn't work. I've tried that. And why did my relative die early in that accident? And so you've closed off the possibility of faith out of offense and hurt. And many of us do that. We've been through disappointments and fear and shame and rejection and persecution. So we settle back to a comfortable place instead of stepping up saying, God, keep stirring me. Help me to live by faith. Bible, God-inspired faith. The Bible says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Wow. My question is, what, what and who do you listen to the most? What's the most influential voices in your head, in your heart, in your life? He who has ears to hear what the Spirit says... Let me tell you, you'll live in a place of strength and victory. And we need to say, Holy Spirit, like Marilyn was saying, what's the truth? And Holy Spirit, show me what the truth about my heart is. Show me the truth about my 
faith level and my believing. Do I vacillate? Yep, I'm in church. Yep, yeah, we can believe for that. By Tuesday, I think, oh, my, it hasn't worked yet. I'm not sure. And we get discouraged. The enemy steals from us through fear and discouragement. That's his two biggest tools to stop you living an overcoming life of faith. Joshua. God spoke to Joshua 1.9. says, do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. For I'm with you and you're going to conquer the land like I promised. And he had to walk through that. But he'd learnt for 40 years to hold on to God's promise as all of his mates died. It says everyone in the generation, all his friends, he went to thousands, probably tens of thousands of funerals for over 40 years because they all, out of unbelief, didn't go in the promised land. Only Joshua and Caleb, the only two, that went to all their mates' funerals and they kept saying, it's sad that they missed out and didn't end the promised land. But God, you've promised that we're going to make it. So they had 40 years to strengthen their faith. So when God says you're going to make it, he said there was no question because he'd had 40 years of training to know that this was going to happen. Wow, God help us to live by faith. So faith hears and faith sees. What do you see by faith? Do you see just the natural? Do you see in the spirit? When Jesus looks at you, he doesn't see who you are. Now he sees who you are becoming. When we look at one another, do we see who they are? A parent looks at their child. They don't look what's just now, but they see what they're going to become as an adult. So they look after them, provide for them, raise them, pray and believe. God wants us to see with the eye of faith what's going to happen around us and through us. And that also takes training on what we focus our eyes on. The eye of faith sees what the natural, natural eye can't see. Faith sees the invisible, faith believes the incredible, faith receives the impossible. If you say that's impossible all the time, then you've, you've cancelled out the possibility of faith breaking through. God loves the impossible situations. Some of you are sitting here alive today because God rescued you out of impossible situations. Some of you are now moving forward in life and you've seen blessing and favour and relationships restored and you breathing today and got hope and purpose in life because God came and broke into the impossible over your life and he wants to do it over and over again. He wants to do it for thousands of people across our city that don't understand this. We had a funeral service, a memorial service here on Friday for uh, uh, Kerry Ricketts, a lovely lady who got baptised in our church here um, down the beach seven years ago and she was 78 and passed away there's about 40 people here and she used to go to AA so there's a whole lot of lovely people that have been part of AA for many many years one of the guys came up to me afterwards and said I now get it and whenever someone says that I said what did you get he said I now understand it he said when you read those verses out of John 14 and you read the verse I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I didn't preach on it. I, I focused on the first two verses about God's prepared a place for you and make sure you're ready to, to meet Jesus when your life's over. He said, I've prayed to a higher power or, or a God in AA all my life, or most of my life. But he said, I now realize I'm supposed to pray to Jesus to reach the Father. 
I said, that's it? He said, that's going to change my life. I said, it will. So I'm praying that he really encounters Jesus. The power of the word of God grabbed his heart. And I didn't even focus on that specifically. Some of you listening here today, faith's coming alive in your heart because you're hearing the word of God. You need to fill yourself with the word of God. Get it on your devotions. Do whatever. Because we've got to wash our minds from the junk that fills them every day of doubt and fear and unbelief and, and lies about our identity. Faith sees. It sees the present situation changed by God. It sees with the eye of faith. Sadly, there are a few people that are physically blind. And that is just so sad for people that are physically blind or partially blind. But many more people are spiritually blind and the enemy will try and keep you from seeing the truth. Oh God, I just pray, Lord, let our lives, let our churches in this city bring faith and truth and life. 2 Corinthians 3.16 says, But the moment one turns to the Lord with an open heart, the veil is lifted and they see. Oh, yes, they see. They start to see who Jesus is. They start to see the reality of what God's plan for their life is. They start to come with hope. Now, the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit. And whenever he is Lord, there is freedom. We can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces. And with no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We are being transfigured into his very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And his glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Well, God wants to lift the veils off so many people's eyes. Some of us as believers need the veils lifted that have limited you that have lied to you. But when you see Jesus for who he is, your face will shine. Your heart will reveal God's love. And I see that in so many faces. I look out here and I see faces of faith and love and hope. And I know that's how you live throughout our community. But God, help us. Help us. We need to see an open heaven. I've shared this before, but I'll never forget the day. 2016 we were worshiping and next minute I had I was just looking up to heaven and next minute I had a spiritual vision God allowed me to see into the spirit realm I've only had a few open visions like that but this was so powerful it was like the roof just peeled back and I saw this statue of Jesus standing over like it was Rio Olympics year with the big statue of Jesus the Redeemer and I saw this huge statue of Jesus over our city, just in the heavens. And as I looked and worshipped, we were worshipping, I can't remember who was worship leading, we were and then I saw it wasn't a statue, but it was a living Christ. He was now alive, huge over our city. And in one hand he had a flaming sword, in the other hand he had a, a big bucket container filled with clear liquid. And I said, Lord, what do they represent? Now, my natural mind could say, I know what they are. But I've learned not to assume because when you see in the Spirit, you've got to ask the Holy Spirit, what are you showing me? We make the mistake of assuming with a natural mind instead of asking 
Holy Spirit, what are you showing me? He said, that is the sword of the Spirit to cut off the schemes of the enemy of people right across our city. And he said, this container that was spilling over, he said, that is living water and liquid love that I'm going to pour over this city. I could never have thought of those words. But I saw in the Spirit, and by now I'm on my face sucking carpet because I was so overwhelmed, <laughs> weeping. If you haven't had a few carpet sucking moments of encounter with God, you need to say, Jesus, just overwhelm me because I was so overwhelmed. What I was seeing, it all happened within a couple of minutes. But it changed my perspective of our city to another whole level. So when I hear the news of crime or accidents or poverty or, or strife or domestic violence, I say, yeah, that's real. But Jesus, you've shown me what you're doing about this. So my prayer life has never been the same since because I now see what's happening in the spirit realm over our city. See, it's changed me because when your eyes are open to see, you'll never be the same. It's like, uh, was it Elisha and his servant? They were surrounded by the huge army. And uh, the servant opens the curtains when they wake up and all he can see is 135,000 enemy troops that have surrounded the city. They've come to arrest Elisha. It's pretty important when they send 135,000 troops to arrest you. Because what was happening is the enemies of Israel kept getting defeated. And they said, there's a spy in the camp because every time we go there to attack them, they've moved. And one of them said, no, it's Elisha the prophet because God shows him what you're going to do and he hears what you plan in your bedroom and then he speaks to him and he tells the people of Israel and they move. This is what was going on. So they got so angry, they came to kill him. So the servant's freaking out. Elisha, Elisha, look, we're, we're surrounded. Elisha just walks up and says, it's okay, buddy. Lord, just open his eyes to see. And all of a sudden, he didn't just see the 130. They didn't disappear. They were there. But all of a sudden, he saw the millions of angels and the warring hosts of heaven that were surrounding the enemy. And that day, that whole army was supernaturally wiped out by God and Elisha escaped. Don't you tell me God's not powerful. But way too often we look just in the natural realm and there are times when God says, come on, you've got to learn to see in the spirit. Now they're big picture things, but what about for your own life? When there's pressure and, and di discouragement and, and setbacks and schemes of the enemy as Pastor Pete was talking about, are you going to be overwhelmed with that or are you going to say, Lord, show me what's really happening at another level? And when you get that, let me tell you, faith comes alive and freedom comes and love flows because you are not now intimidated by fear, but you live in a realm of freedom and faith. Let's give him a shout of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Oh. As the worship team comes, we're not going to finish this. We'll finish it next week. Otherwise, we'll be here till lunchtime. But I'll read one more scripture for you. Ephesians 1, 18 says... No, I'll just come back before I do that. 
See yourself as successful, anointed, free, healed. As a person believes in their heart, so they will become. An architect sees a finished building. He's just got lines on a piece of paper, but he sees the finished building. An artist sees the finished painting. That's a miracle because I can't paint. Anyone here not a good painter? I used to do stick figures for my artwork and they'd say, what's that? <laughs> they couldn't even work out what my stick figures were. <laughs> Art's not my gift, but I admire those who do. A parent sees a child grow into an adult with the eyes of faith. Make sure you're speaking faith statements over your kids and grandkids, not negative stuff. A sculptor sees the finished piece coming out of that stone or that timber. Jesus sees you free, healed, whole, righteous and powerful in God. That's how Jesus sees you. The question is, is that how you see yourself? Often the answer is no. Because we live with a reasoning mind instead of a transformed, word-based, spirit-soaked vision of who he sees you as. One more scripture, Ephesians 1.18 says, I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. You get that full revelation. That is the wealth of God's glorious inheritance that he finds in us, his holy ones. That's what he sees. I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. Through faith. It's there, but you're not going to access it unless you believe that that's what God says, that's who you really are. Then your lives will be an advertisement of His immense power as it works through you. That's the best form of evangelism I know. This is the mighty power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted Him to the place of highest honour and supreme authority in the heavenly realms. Oh, Jesus. God spoke to me during the week when I was down at the conference. The pastor didn't even preach on this, but he was talking, I forget what he was talking about, something about breakthrough and that God sees your power. And this verse just started ringing in my spirit. Rise up, mighty warrior. Rise up, mighty warrior. You know where that's found in Scripture? Judges 6 about Gideon, who was afraid, terrified of the enemy. And his heart wanted to see his people free, but he was terrified and it locked him up. The angel of the Lord came and said, Rise up, mighty warrior. And he starts then giving all the excuses. What about this? And, and my clan's the weakest. And, and all. it wasn't true. He was from a a high-ranking clan, but he saw himself as a failure, weak, intimidated by fear. It says, rise up, mighty warrior. And God just kept repeating it until he finally got it. Took him quite a few times, just like we do. Sometimes God says, come on, you can step up and influence your family. You can step up and live a life of freedom from the strongholds and addictions that have robbed and stolen. Come on, you can step up and bring light and hope to your workplace. Come on, step up. God's saying, come on, step up. I'd like to pray before we sing. I'd like to invite the mighty warriors in this place to stand. I'm going to ask all the men, we're going to get to the women in a minute. 
I'd like all the men that are under 99 to jump to your feet. We'll see who's honest here today. All the men that are under 99 to stand to your feet. Oh. There's something happening. This is not just a little exercise to finish this sermon. There's something in the spirit happening right now. God by his spirits wants to declare, rise up, mighty warriors. Don't be bowed down by the stuff that's stolen from you, the lies of the enemy. Encourage you to reach out your hands in front of you or reach your hands up to heaven right now. Come on, men, all the men. We're going to pray for the women in a moment. But right now, I just, pr- I just felt the spirit of God say, come on, rise up, mighty warriors. So many men have been beaten down. The enemy's tried to steal your strength, your manhood, your, your courage. The calling of God on you to be a protector of our community and our families, to be a spiritual head that speaks truth and faith, that models your kingdom. The enemy's tried to steal from you through anger and, and violence and, and lies and shame and condemnation. But right now I take authority over that in the name of Jesus Christ. And I declare, rise up mighty warriors. I declare, let your confession change about who you are. You declare with God's strength, I can be an overcomer. I can be a warrior. Right now, I push back the lies of the enemy and I declare freedom in Jesus' name. I declare freedom in Jesus' name. Lord, I declare over this man that they would rise up in your spiritual strength. They would rise up in their compassion and courage and you would heal and restore every heart and life. And Lord, I pray you'd open their spiritual eyes to see in the spirit realm like they've never seen before. I pray for their mouths will start to speak words of life over themselves and over all their sphere of influence. I declare that for men to arise up as apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. I pray that the men will rise up skillful in their workplace and they will influence others for the kingdom of God. They'll become mighty in word and prayer and deed. I declare that now in the name of Jesus. All the men, just reach out, clap your hands now and declare that over your lives, over your lives, over your lives in Jesus' name. Whoa. I'd like all the women under 99 to stand. And the word that God's given from... Man, I didn't ask you to sit down. Man, you just keep standing. But this is for the women. The word God gave me was about Esther. God said, you've come for such a time as this. And there's a purpose and a destiny about your lives as women that reflect courage and faith and strength. There's so many attacks upon womanhood right now. The devil's trying to steal from you the image of Christ that you bring. You bring a power, a sensitivity, a compassion, an ability with a sixth sense. It's a vision-seeing capacity that needs to be fine-tuned and released. He's given you a words of faith that when you pray, people shake, the devil shakes because you have authority in your prayers. You release compassion and love and acceptance for so many people that feel rejected and they don't know where they belong. But God's given you eyes and hands and hearts 
and mouths that bring and release acceptance and hope to so many people that feel like they're failures. The enemy's tried to steal from you. But today I declare that you are Esther's. You are called for such a time as this to change the culture around your family and across our city and across the world. Thank you for joining us. The Bayside Christian Church community aims to transform our city and beyond with the life and power of Jesus Christ. If you want to know more or just keep in touch, check us out at www.baysidechristianchurch.com.au or follow us on our social media sites at Bayside Christian Church.